Hey, John. Good to see you, man. Um, really looking forward to digging into this next episode of Working Sessions. Really enjoyed recording the first one. And um, I know today is going to be especially exciting because we are going to dive into kind of like uh, superheroes have origin stories about how they got their powers and, and their background. And we're going to talk about a similar perspective on each of our businesses that we're focusing on right now and how they came into existence. So how are things on your end before we dive in? Yeah, good, James. Yeah, things are things are going well, man. I mean, we were just catching up a little bit offline. We got a foot of snow yesterday here in Denver, and mm-hmm. the kid was off at school, so my almost three-year-old was, you know, around, and so wife and I were kind of juggling that, and, you know, this morning, she, uh, I, I get up about 6 a.m., so I can, like, get in some time to read, do, like, the Miracle Morning and that sort of stuff, so I got up at, like, 6.05, like I usually do. I texted you like I usually do, and yeah. uh, made coffee and sat down, and literally two minutes later, she starts talking and then comes downstairs, and wanted breakfast. So I just decided to close the book and make her pancakes. So yeah. uh, it's all, it's all good, man. Just, you know, doing life, but yeah, things are, things are going well, man. Looking forward to, to diving into this, diving into kind of the origin stories behind our businesses. So yeah, man, I'd love to kind of interview you and ask you, tell us about Castaway. Tell us about what is your, what's kind of your personal and professional life look like? Who is James Sowers? Yeah. So let's see, they, they kind of blend. I know a lot of people say your your work shouldn't define your life. And, you know, I wouldn't say that it defines my life, but it's a big part of it, right? I get a lot of sense of like being and fulfillment and value out of the work that I do. And so I think that when you set it up correctly, work is, is a significant part of your life. And I think that's healthy as long as it doesn't go too far in one direction. So I kind of set up my day where uh, I'm up pretty early, kind of like you, and having a little bit of alone time with a cup of coffee or whatever before the kids wake up. But my kids tend to know my alarm clock, even though they can't hear it. My, my alarm clock is literally my smartwatch and it vibrates on my wrist, but somehow they know and they're up five minutes after I am. So reg- I've tried 530. I've tried sleeping in until like seven and no matter what, they're down the stairs right after me. So they've got a sixth sense. But yeah, I get them off to daycare, sit down at the desk by 830. I've got a day job where I'm the director of marketing at an agency called The Good. And I work consistently from 830 to three, basically lunch at my desk, I might get up to stretch my legs or something. But uh, for the most part, I'm putting in, you know, a lot of deep work and focus time there. And then from about three until 730 or eight, uh, that's time with the family dinner, bedtime, ballet lessons, swim lessons, whatever we're into. And then the evenings are really um, finishing out my work for my day job, whatever I've got left, and then working on projects like Castaway. So structurally, that's how I've designed my day to be able to fit in uh, a full time job where I have a lot of influence and a lot of impact and a lot of responsibility, but also uh, be a good father and husband and also protect some time for other pursuits like side projects. So yeah, that's where, that's where I'm at uh, as a whole, so, my day to day. So where'd that mindset come from? I mean, the, you know, a lot of people just kind of like let their day control them. And it seems like you, you're very like pointed and purposeful about what you're doing. You get your work done. You care about your work. But you also care about being a good dad, being a good husband, having hobbies, etc. So what like books or blog posts or something like that, like informed, you know, the way that you structure your life that way? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think it comes from a place of, um, you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I read a lot of books. I'm an avid consumer of material, uh, not superfluous material. Like I don't really watch TV. I don't do e-news. I don't like if, if I watch TV, I'm sitting there next to my kids watching what they're watching or whatever, or I'm watching sports. I do watch sports, but I try to I just been interested in nonfiction, professional development, personal development type stuff since I can remember. It's just it entertains me and educates me. And so as you take that in, like that doesn't mean that I apply everything I hear. Like there are certain things that Russell Brunson says that I don't agree with or Ty Lopez or Grant Cardone or even in the bootstrapper community like Rob Walling and Brian Castle and some of these folks like 
yeah, a lot of what they say resonates with me, but some of it doesn't. And so I kind of pick and choose and I take what I like. And truly the way that I've landed where I am today in terms of structuring my day is trial and error. And I've been fortunate enough to have jobs that were remote flexibility. So I've worked from home for almost 10 years now. You know, I've had a lot of autonomy and independence. And I think that comes from a place of like, when you're good at what you do and you learn a lot and you practice a lot and you get kind of like, I don't know, I don't want to say elite level talent because that feels self-serving, but like when you create separation between you and the average person that does what you do, there's a lot of leniency in terms of how you get that work done because people know that you drive results, right? And so I've worked really hard early in my career to be that person that can be reliable and get good results. And from that, I've got more uh, flexibility in how I get that work done and being able to do it from home, being able to do it remotely, being able to do it and make decisions, you know, there's trust in there. And, and that has given me the freedom to kind of structure my day how I like. So I start with what's most important to me. And that gets locked up in the calendar first. That's exercise, that's family time, that's whatever. And then I fit everything else in the margin. So it's kind of like the investment philosophy of paying yourself first, right? Like make sure that what's most important to you gets on the calendar first and whatever there's room for after that, uh, fit it in when you can. I love it. There, I mean, there, And there are so many books that talk about that kind of thing, right? There's like, I've been rereading The Big Leap, which is a fantastic book. I don't know if you've read it, but for people listening, don't read it until you're ready for your life to be turned upside down. It's just, It's a phenomenal book, but it's like, It'll mess with you for sure. But I'm all about that. You know, Craig Ballantyne talks about the perfect day, right? I think he literally wrote the book on it. Yeah, the, the paying yourself first mentality, all of that, all of that really resonates. And the reason why I brought up the big leap was because they talk about like when you're in your zone of genius, when you're in what you're really good at, time just kind of disappears, but also you can get so much more done in like a shorter amount of time, right? So you can like, you can be super effective working six and a half hours a day for the good, you could be a director of marketing, growing an agency, having a team, you know, et cetera, if, if you're focused and if you're, it's kind of what you're, what you're best at. So that's awesome. Well, it's trial and error too. Like if you work a day job and you have to go sit at a desk nine to five, there's not any control over that, right? Like you're punching a clock and your time is dictated and there's a commute associated with that usually. So like you just have to be intentional. And, and again, you have a job like that and you find out what you like and what you don't like and you explore other options and progressively over time, you get to a place where you're pretty happy and that's where I am today. But I don't want to mislead anybody. Like I'm 33 today and I've been working online since I was like 18 or 19. So that's a long time to try to figure things out. Don't expect to solve it overnight. Totally. Absolutely. 100%. So tell us about uh, Castaway. Tell us about the project you're working on here for working sessions. What is it? Where does it currently stand? How much time do you put into it? Revenue? Yeah. So I'm focused on Castaway right now. It's a done for you podcast promotion repurposing service. I think I touched on this in episode one, but the idea is like, hey, if you publish a piece of written content, like a blog article, and that's all you do, uh, you're going to see this big spike in traffic on launch day when you share it with your list and your social media, and then it's going to fall off a cliff and you have kind of this long tail over time. And if you're lucky, maybe Google picks it up and gives you another bump. So a lot of people advocate for Hey, when you publish a new article, uh, your work's just getting started and you need to repurpose that article into social media posts. You need to pull the graphics out and share those on Instagram. You need to convert it to a YouTube video, whatever. Give it a second, third, fourth life so you can really maximize the value of the original investment you made in producing that piece. So Castaway operates under the assumption that if that's true of written content, it can also go the other direction. So if you're producing something like a podcast, like we are, uh, you should also be converting that into written material, into social media posts, into video clips and things like that to get the most mileage out of it. So where I'm at right now, effort-wise, I would say it fits very firmly into that nights and weekends bucket for me. I am very strict and disciplined about giving my team at the good everything I have during the day. Like we've all kind of aligned on that. When I was hired, I was like, this is the schedule I want to keep the vast majority of the time. And I'll give you everything I've got for six straight hours, right? I don't take lunch. I don't leave. I have an appointment every now and then, but really I'm there and I'm committed. 
and then I fit Castaway into the margins. So usually that's a couple of hours at night. And then on the weekends, you know, you and I both have young kids when they, those miraculous days where they take a nap and it's like an hour and a half, like that's my castaway time. I'm either mowing the lawn or I'm chipping away at the goals for cast. So, so that's kind of effort. I would say eight to 15 hours a week total on average. And then right now, like what that looks like is I'm doing everything. Like I'm sales, I'm project management, finance, I'm doing some of the delivery work, but I have some contract support there. So I'm still in those very early stages where like wearing a bunch of hats as a solo founder, trying to figure it out. Yeah. Project CEO, chief everything yeah. officer, right? Right. <laughs> You're that's doing right. It all. That's right. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we have a couple of different engagement options, but in general, like our monthly income ranges from like 4,500 to $6,000. And we take home about 30% of that. A significant part of that is recurring. So we have a subscription where it's like, if you publish two or four episodes a month, you just pay us a flat monthly fee and we take care of those as they come out. So that's really good to have that kind of floor. But on top of that, we'll have occasional one-off engagements. Like I just did this webinar. I, we don't just do podcasts, but that's how we present to the world, right? So if you do a webinar or a conference talk and you want to repurpose that, we'll do that. So those are kind of fixed fee things. That, and that's why there's variability from 4,500 to 6,000. But yeah, that's where it's at today. Nice. So uh, how long has Castaway been around? When did you first start it? And how long have you been um, working with clients kind of like, you know, subscription recurring? Yeah, that's that's a complicated question. It has a long and, and varied story that I'll try not to get into it too deep because that could take the entire episode. But the short answer is we've been serving clients consistently for about three months. Like I kind of picked it up, I would say October-ish 2021, and we're sitting here in February 2022. So call it three or four months. We've been consistently delivering work for clients on a recurring basis. But the, the idea itself and the landing page and stuff uh, that has existed since early 2020 or mid 2020, like right around July. So, uh, you know, it's a side project and we can get into the details later, but I've had a couple of false starts. And part of why I'm here today talking to you and why we started working sessions is like, okay, there's some traction here, right? There's some some momentum going behind this and I don't want to let it go again. And I don't want to, um, stifle the growth if I don't have to. So I need an accountability partner. And part of that is like just sharing that experience with the world. Right. And part of that is showing up one-on-one -on -one with you and having you text me and, and hold me to the fire for some of the things I've committed to. So that's part of the upside for, for this is kind of therapeutic, right? Yeah, totally. Awesome. Awesome. What, what's the, I guess we, we got into this a little bit in the last episode, but just give us real quick again, like the, the quick background, like kind of the the seed of the idea to go in, to go and do, I think you worked with Brian, right? At audience ops when Brian Castle, shout out to Brian when he owned that and they were doing like a podcast editing service. So what's the, what's the quick, uh, the quick and dirty on, on the idea. Yeah. Uh, so I think like it really started with this, this passion for podcasting. I said, I've always been kind of a, a self-educator, taught myself HTML and CSS back in the geo city days. And I forget what it was, angel fire, I think was before that even was a website yep. building environment. So it's like, <laughs> yep. I was, I was young and I was digging in there and teaching myself new skills just because I'm a curious person, you know, in 2012, 2013, that was podcast for me. And I got in really early Pat Flynn and smart passive income, John Lee Dumas, Rob Walling at startups for the rest of us. Like all these folks are big hitters in the podcasting space now. And I was there, I don't know if I was there for episode one, I certainly was for EO Fire, but like I was there in, in the first hundred episodes for sure, right? And I was driving back and forth to National Guard and I was just like, man, I can get a high level education from experts in any industry as I'm driving a car going to serve my country. Like this is amazing, right? So that's where like the initial seed gets planted. And then later on, I'm doing some freelancing on the side and I run into Brian Castle and his company Audience Ops. 
and they were doing done for you content marketing for folks at the time. And he's like, Hey, I got this new service line. I think we're going to produce podcasts for folks. So effectively they just show up. They're the subject matter expert. They record with one of our contracted hosts and we take care of everything else. We edit the audio. Uh, we produce the show notes. We do some of the promotional assets and we hand that off to them. And then all they have to do is go publish that. He, he hired me to be one of their contracted hosts. And my job was to interview people just like you're doing with me right now and come up with kind of the topics and write, write the talking points and that kind of thing. And that's where I kind of fell in love with the production side of things. I'm like, man, making a podcast is cool. And I learned a lot there. And so it really continues to evolve over time as like, I'm working these day jobs, focusing on marketing. And that's where I learned, you know, if promotion and distribution are so important for content marketing, written content, the same should be true of other types of media, right? And so then, you know, as I talk to people and who have podcasts or work in the podcasting industry, I'm like, hey, I got this idea. Like, what do you think about this? You do this every day. This is your specialty. And they go, dude, that's that makes so much sense. Like, people will definitely pay for that. If you ever do it, let me know. I'll, I'll send you your first customer or I'll be your first customer. So that's really where it was like, man, this is something worth digging deeper into. But all, all along that way, like, I had full-time jobs. I was serving the military part-time. We think about starting a family. We moved across country. Like life was really busy in my mid and late twenties. And so I never really like jumped in. Nice. Very cool. So, so you mentioned someone saying like, if you do that, I'll be your first customer, right? I mean, my first question is, did you ask them for their credit card number? Did they get that payment before you even do it? But like, wh what kind of signals other than that made you think that this could be a thing, right? Like what'd you see in the market? What were people telling you? What were people asking? What made you go? All right, let's, let's go with this. Yeah. I think like, you know, looking back at it as I'm putting together like some notes, so I remember all the finer details for this conversation. It's like hindsight is 2020. It's so clear looking back, but in the moment, you know, these things didn't happen one after another. It was like a little piece of evidence here, three weeks later, a conversation, a little sound bite here, right? But if looking back that you can draw the line pretty clearly, it's more of a straight line than a wandering dotted line. But like you see samples from Gary Vaynerchuk taking off, like those have always been popular. And it's like, okay, wow, these have a lot of engagement. Is that because it's Gary V or is that because of the format that it's using and because it's repurposed content that leads to a longer form piece or the, the clips from the Joe Rogan experience taken off on YouTube, right? Those shorter versions of specific topics, like that's another piece of evidence. Right? And then you see the podcast market, new podcasts are getting launched every day. And now it seems like if you don't have a podcast, you're not a cool kid. You need a podcast and a sub stack, right? Or else you're not a marketer. So, so that's another, that's another element, right? And then there's investment capital going into things like Riverside, which we're using to record this and Descript and all these things, like all these things start to, to pile up. And on top of that, you start to see other service providers playing in the space. And some of those friends that I have, they're podcast production houses, and they focus really hard the editing, the audio quality, like the the creative aspect, creative direction almost with like making it an engaging podcast. And they're like, hey, I've thought about repurposing. I've thought about promotion services, but like it just seems outside of our core functionality. And I don't really have the time or the interest in learning it right now. But if you had something you could pull off the shelf, like I'd subcontract with you, I'd white label with you, right? I'd refer people to you. That's another element. There are also established players like Repurpose House. And I listen to interviews with the founder there and, you know, they have significant revenue and she seems really smart and like their clients are really happy. So yeah, I don't know. The, the, this stuff starts to add up and then you're like, well, there's something here, but I don't know if I'm the right person for this yet. Right. So in July 2020, I got laid off as part of this like COVID outbreak and just kind of budget cuts and things like that. And so I'm thrown to the wolves. I, I don't really have an audience because I had a non-compete with them. And uh, so I'm like, what am I going to do? Like I'll freelance and consult to pay the bills. But like, 
I need something more significant than that. And so I kind of picked this thing up from my Google Doc of business ideas and I bring it back out and you know, you I have one of I, those too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I do it so I don't build them all. Like I got I need somewhere to put it. Same. So I feel like I did something, but I don't need a distraction. But uh but yeah, so I had some conversations with folks and some of those folks went and built kind of copycat services. And I'm like, well, that's mm. another element. If somebody hears me describe the idea and goes and builds some version of that on their own. There must be something here, right? So, so that layoff was short-lived. I take a job, uh, and then at this job where I'm at today, I had to solve this for myself at the good. Like we have two shows, and I don't want that to be a cost center. I want that to be a revenue driver. And what's the best way to do that? So I'm like, all right, here, this is the deal. If I'm going to figure this out for myself, and I need it, there have to be other agency marketers out there who need it at minimum, right? So I'll get the process figured out. I'll package it up, and I'll sell that to other people. So in April of 2021, I fire off this tweet. And I basically summarize the idea. Like, imagine if, you know, every podcast episode you publish gets turned into, and I just kind of listed out, you know, a couple dozen assets that we could turn those into. And people, I had 400 likes. And at the time, I think I had a thousand followers. Like, that's that's a significant ratio for me. And I'm like, okay, there's some signal here. It has dozens of replies that basically say, shut up and take my money, right? And, you know, I, it just kind of felt like, you know how you dogs chase cars and you're like, okay, so what are you going to do if you ever catch the car, man? Like, what are you going to do if you bite the tire of a car? You're a little dog. And that's what it felt like. It was like, okay, I kind of talked this big game of this idea and how great it would be. And then to see such a positive response, well, I'm not ready to serve this yet, right? I don't have contractors lined up. I don't have uh, an LLC or a bank account. Like, I know you don't need these things, but like, I don't have the basic structure to actually deliver on this promise yet. I just kind of threw it out there on a whim. So I don't know, like you see real world examples of, of this type of material working. There's investment capital going into the market. There are incumbent people who are kind of solving the problem, but not completely. Copycats come up. And then you get this tweet with all these replies saying, where do I pay? You know, all this stuff is like momentum, right? And and collectively, it's like, I got to give this thing a shot. And this is the yep. first time in my life where it feels like there's something pulling me into the market to solve a problem versus mm -hmm. me like swimming around trying to find a wave to ride, right? And so that's right. what's really exciting to me. And that's why I'm here. Well, and that's so like, it's so interesting you say that. I'll, I'll get into that a little bit when we're talking about Editor Ninja, but finding a market that's already pretty big, that's growing, that you know well, and you know how to serve it, and you have the skills, and then it pulls you. And it's like, yeah. hey, I want to be worked on this more. People are asking you about it, that sort of thing. Like, that's what happened to me with Credo, you know, six and a half years ago, like in the couple of months leading up to getting laid off and then going out on my own. Like, it's happening with Editor Ninja now, it's happening with you with Castaway. It's like, you can, you can try a bunch of things and I've started a ton of things over the years, but like the ones that really seem to work are the ones where it's like, Hey, work on me more, work on me more, work on me yeah. more. And you're like, Oh geez. All right, fine. I'll like, I'll throw up a website. I'll get a Stripe account, I'll form an LLC so I can get an EIN and a Stripe account and a bank account and all that stuff. Right. So yeah, that's, that's really, that's really cool. And it's kind of like the, the best ideas. I think you kind of see something you're like, that's interesting. Data point. That's interesting. Data point. This thing happens. Data point. People are like, we'll send you customers. Data point. Like. All this stuff adds up and then you're like, all right, screw it. <laughs> like, let's, let's give it a go. They say like, what is, it, what is it like to fall in love or something? It's like, I can't describe it to you, but you know it when you feel it. Like you just know mm -hmm. it, right? Or whatever. And, and it's kind of like that. It's Absolutely. like, it's like when other ideas, when I worked on There's them. There's a tailwind. And yeah. And I'm building them from yeah. scratch. It's like, oh God, I got to work on this. Like, I don't even have an audience. I don't even know when it's going to make any money. Like, what if I work on this thing for a year and it doesn't make any money? With Castaway, it's like. I can't tweet about this because I'm going to get three more customers and I can't handle that capacity. You know, it's a totally different. It's <laughs> right. like, I, I can't explain it because I've never felt anything yeah. like it before, but it's like, yeah. I almost don't want to 
work on this publicly because I'm afraid that I'll get too much demand and then I'll lose that to a competitor because I'm not ready to handle it or something like that. Like mm. it's just, it's like trying mm. to hold back a horse instead of trying to get a horse to ride. You know what I mean? Like it's, oh, it's yeah. just totally different. Oh yeah, totally. So let's talk about, um, with all of that said, and obviously we'll get into like the scaling, yeah. but what, what are your goals? for the next, you know, for this year? Like wh where do you want to end up end of the year? And uh, what's important to you quantitatively? And then what's important to you qualitatively as you grow it? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And, you know, to remind folks, currently we're at 4,500, I'll just call it 5,000 a month combined, like recurring and one-off sales, but I don't get to keep so all that, like right? you're like 60K ARR right now? Yeah, yeah. And I don't get to yeah. keep all that. And like, I care more about profit than revenue, but whatever. But yeah. so, so that's where I'm at right now. And that presumes that everybody's going to stick with me for the rest of this year. And I know there's going to be churn. So taking all that into account, my goal for top line revenue in calendar year 2022 is a hundred thousand, right? So if you say I'm on pace for 50, 60 K, like I've made really good progress and I'm kind of hitting the ground running. So maybe I should aim higher. Right. But I'm, I'm building in some of that churn or whatever. I'm also thinking of keeping a margin of 20% or more. So on a project level, we're usually around 30 to 35%, but I'm forecasting like investing back into the business, doing some paid ads, doing a website build, you know, whatever, paying top dollar to really good contractors instead of testing the waters with people who are cheaper, but maybe not as reliable or need more revisions, whatever. I'm, I'm factoring that in. So 20% or more. And then I want to figure out one kind of scalable lead acquisition channel. And I, I kind of hate the word scale, but that truly that's what it is. Like I need, I need to figure out one Consistent. lead acquisition channel. Yeah. That's not word of mouth. That's not referral. Like it could be cold outreach. It could be paid ads. It could be SEO. It could be, uh, I don't know, guesting on other podcasts. Like, I don't know what it is, but I want to figure out mm -hmm. one scalable lead channel that like I know works reliably and consistently. And if I just do more of that, it's reasonable to expect that I'll attract more clients, right? Uh, so that's the quantitative yep. side, I guess. Yeah. And then yep. and then the soft stuff I'm thinking about, I mean, I know you're big on quality of life and family time and that kind of thing in mm -hmm. balance. So I've got some of that in there. At the same time, you know, I, I talk about it feeling like holding back a horse. I don't necessarily want to ride the horse at a full sprint either, right? I'm happy mm -hmm. at my day job. I don't want to leave my day job anytime soon. I'm not out here to make a multi-million dollar company. I'm very firmly in the SMB, like, lifestyle business. That's just what I like. I like small teams. Mm -hmm. I like highly profitable business that pay everybody well, but maybe aren't looking for seed capital or anything like that. Like that's not my goal right now. So I want to grow responsibly. I want to protect time for my family, for myself. I don't want to get out of my health habits or, you know, anything like that. I want to be able to take a weekend away at the lake house and I have to worry about business. I want to uh, also make sure that we're only working with right fit clients. So that's part of that. Like I'm willing to go slower as long as I don't have to deal with bad clients or clients that aren't a great fit or a whole bunch of like highly customizable, big headache type of things. And I want to focus on building a team and a remote work culture that I can be proud of, right? Like I don't want a bunch of folks who are just here to punch the clock and like do the work they're asked. Like that's fine if that's how you approach work. But in general, I do kind of want to build a team that like, you know, I don't expect them to be the equivalent of full-time employees, but I want, I want us to like each other. I want us to hang out in Slack together. I want us yeah. to like gel well. And I want consistency there. I don't want a bunch of turnover because um, somebody's just here to, to cash a paycheck and move on, you know? Cool. Awesome, man. Well, I mean, it sounds like you're thinking about growing it responsibly, also with a team that gets things done, focusing on quality, fo focusing on great clients. You're always going to have those pain in the butt ones and those ones that like right. seem like they're going to be great. And then they sign in and they have a, they, they assign a different point of contact. And all of a sudden you're like, this person's terrible, right? Like that happens, but right. the more you can minimize that, the better, you know? Right. So that's awesome, man. That's a great, like, that's a great backstory and, and great goals. I think it's, it's going to be fun to follow along over time as we work in public here. So super, yeah. super cool. It makes it sound rosy. It's really not that like, a, they're definitely like 
warts on the frog, so to speak. They're, they're definitely, oh, yeah. I have pricing issues. I have structuring my packages. We'll get into those in future episodes. And I want those to be like specific topics. We just get together for 20 minutes and talk about pricing and, and help other folks in, in our space solve that for their businesses. So I, won't, mm -hmm. I don't want to make it seem like everything's going super well like it is, but we're definitely still stretching and there are challenges oh, and yeah. stuff. And, and I plan to share those as well. But for now, let's jump over to Editor Ninja. I kind of want to run through the same exercise with you. Yeah. You know, let, let's just start with personal and professional life. You said you got some snow on the way. So obviously you're dealing with some weather issues, but on the macro level, how do things look like for you day to day? Yeah. I mean, my, my day to day is fairly similar to yours, actually, that I'm a full-time entrepreneur. And so I run multiple companies. My, my biggest one and most notable one is called Credo, getcredo.com, where I have a small team um, and we do lead generation for marketing agencies and help companies get introduced to the right agencies get paid a subscription. So it's a productized service on the agency side, get paid a subscription fee, and then we get a commission on the back end as well. So that's my main business. We're mid six figures um, in revenue. I started it nine years ago and been working on it full time for about six and a half or work. I kind of like did SEO consulting and then worked on it for about three years. And then since uh, the very beginning of 2019, I've been on it full time. It's fun business, stable business, etc. But Editor Ninja is becoming a larger part of my weeks currently. I'm putting about a day, day and a half right now, a week into it, working on it evenings as well. Like I've just got the energy around it, which we can talk about as well. But basically I've got the energy around it and I feel it pulling me. And so I'm working on it more like this morning. Thursday is my like work on side projects, podcast, etc. day. So I was this morning working uh, from a coffee shop nearby uh, writing a blog post um, for Editor Ninja. So SEO and content is going to be one of our main acquisition channels of this year. But I do try to keep a pretty regular, like standard nine to five. I wake up around 6 a.m. I do my morning routine, which involves uh, the miracle morning and some journaling, some reading, etc. cetera, uh, some coffee drinking. I'm a big coffee guy. Um, and then my daughter wakes up and uh, kind of, you know, wife and I kind of co-manage her until one of us takes her to school. So I basically take her to school two days a week, pick her up the other two days a week. And then Fridays is kind of a free for all. And I work about nine to five Monday through Thursday, um, work about nine to one on Fridays. I do take a couple weekdays uh, a month off. If it's a powder day up in the mountains on, during the winter, I'll go get it. Summertime, beautiful day for mountain biking. I'll go do that. And we have a cabin up, up near Breckenridge. So try to spend a lot of time up there. We spend most weekends up there or we're you know traveling somewhere. So, you know, I, I very much value my family time and all that. So basically like five to seven, seven thirty, eight o'clock, I'm doing family stuff. I'm picking my daughter up. We're doing dinner. We're doing bedtime. We're doing bath, like that sort of stuff. My wife also works full time. So that's kind of how our weeks look. And then weekends, I, I basically don't work. We're up at our cabin. We do have internet there. I do a bit of creative work. I do a lot of reading, right? I read two to three nonfiction books a week. So, you know, very similar to you, do a lot of reading. I'm actually going back and rereading re a lot of stuff. There's some that I go back to all the time, like the four hour work week and, and ones like that, just kind of like new stuff that I need to be reminded of as my life has changed a bit. So that's kind of how my week, you know, generally works. And I'm, I, I try to be a very structured person as well. And I've, I've also just kind of like, done it over time, built it over time. And as business has changed, as life has changed, as we had a kid, as we bought a house, as we bought the cabin, you know, all these things, traveling more, traveling less, all that stuff, it all kind of changes. But I, I really do try to keep to like a good morning routine. I've set times that I work, family is important to me and my hobbies are important to me. So I, I really do try to balance all of that. And I'm kind of reshuffling a little bit of that as I get into Editor Ninja, you know, evenings after kiddos down, after dishes are done, that sort of stuff. These days I'm working about an hour, hour and a half every evening on Editor Ninja, usually more like product related stuff, research, like that sort of thing. Some blogging, but I find I do that best in the morning and at coffee yeah. shops. So yeah, that's, that's kind of how my days are and my, my personal and work life are kind of you know, working out. I don't believe in work-life balance. I believe in work-life integration. You know, I, I have family stuff is important. Hobbies are important. Work is important. Career is important. 
travel's important, friends are important, all of that's important. And so I try to work it all in, you know, in, in whatever way makes sense. Yeah, yeah, totally agree with that. I think that's the the idea I was trying to communicate earlier, but you said it much more eloquently is like work-life integration is, is what I'm going for. They're both important and you can dial one yeah. up or one down based on current priorities, but I don't think you can really cut out one or the other, right? And I think maybe yeah. a lesson here for everybody listening is like we both seem to have a structure we like to follow, but also a flexibility and an openness that things are going to change and things pop yeah. up, whether it's family or work or whatever. And you just have to be like, generally, I like to follow this cadence, but tonight I don't have time to work on Editor Ninja or I'm a little burnout or whatever. Or like mm -hmm. for me, there's a football game on and my team's playing. It's like, I don't feel guilty about not working on Castaway that night. Right. But that's also because I have a job. I have financial stability. My wife has a job. She has benefits. Not everybody's in that position. But if you are, don't hold yourself to the fire. You don't have right. to show up every single day. Like be self-aware about that kind of stuff. And Editor it is Ninja? also a cheat code okay. too, because my wife is like, her income is funded, you know, a lot of our lifestyle and I have my benefits through her. Like I've never had to worry about that. We're just getting benefits at Credo now for my team, but you know, I'm not even going to be on it because we get free like healthcare through, through my wife. So like, it doesn't even make sense. So, you know, it, that's definitely a cheat code and I, I recognize that not everyone is that privileged, but if you have it, it's yeah. uh, it's an advantage, you know, and don't feel bad about that, but you know, use it and then try to help other people have that as well, I guess. You know, it's kind of the, the perspective that I take. I'm not going to feel guilty about having those privileges, but I'm going to advocate for others to, you know, be able to get them as well. So, right. For sure. I mean, it is interesting though, like in a lot of ways we have a similar situation, but it's also very different in that like your nine to five, you happen to also own and, and operate, right? Whereas like my nine to yeah. five, I'm accountable to an actual employer and I have a supervisor and that kind of thing. And I'm curious, let's talk mm -hmm. about Editor Ninja, what it is. And more importantly, like, because you already have this cash cow, so to speak, right? Like you, you've mm -hmm. kind of built that successful business that seems to be running pretty smoothly. Like what is Ed Editor Ninja? How does it fit into your day? And like, why even pursue it, right? When you've already got this one thing, yeah. why not just pour more fuel into that fire? Yeah, good question. So Editor Ninja, it's my newest venture. Basically, it is a subscription unlimited document content editing service. So if you're, if those of you out there are familiar with Design Pickle, it's a very similar model. Basically, you, it's a subscription. I do have it productized already. I have pricing publicly and basically you, you subscribe and you get a certain amount of content uh, unlimited in that you can upload as many documents as you want. You get a queue that you can see kind of where your documents are for editing and depending on your subscription level, that's how many documents or words per day you get edited by our editors. So our editors show up every day and work through your queue and get it returned to you, all of that. So, you know, whether it's blog posts, white paper, social media copy, sales decks, all that, so we, we've done all of it. And so we can do all of it. And so all MFA trained editors, actually my assistant from Credo is also my lead editor at Editor Ninja. So she's worked with me on that. Um, have some of her friends that are editing for us as well. And so all, you know, people that are, that are professionally trained in editing and such as well. So why I'm putting time into it, I mean, you know, like I said in the intro, I started it, March, April of 2020 is really when I got the idea, partially because I wanted people to edit my stuff and also because a lot of people were getting laid off and I figured I could pay people and help people make some side money. So I started working on it really harder back, like similar timeline as you, November, December, 2021, simply because I realized that it had done about a thousand dollars in revenue in 2021. And I put about 10 hours total into it. I was like, hang on, <laughs> there's a thing here, right? And it, people seem to really get value from it. People were asking me about it. And so I was like, man, let's build this out. And so I built it out in a very similar way to how I built the first version of Credo. I know Russ at Design Pickle. And so he and I have kind of talked about the, the business model. And I've listened to a lot of his stories from the early days and that kind of thing. So right now the subscription product is four weeks in the market. So I formed the LLC in mid-December, 2021, got the EIN, got the Sharp account, got the bank account, et cetera. And uh, had, had people that were basically lined up and ready to go. 
And so I launched it. And so we're about 2K MRR right now. So four weeks in the market, 2K MRR, got multiple demos a week going on, trying to grow kind of consistently as you. But uh, yeah, so I'm basically working about a day and a half a week on it. I've been trying to balance it with Credo. And I guess another question you had was, um, why not just focus on Credo? Yeah. Um, Credo is a great business. It's done very well. As I said, we're about mid six figures a year, but it's just become very clear to me that, uh, you know, at some point a business kind of reaches as high as it's going to go. And it's about as high as a, as an entrepreneur wants to take it. And so, you know, we're working, we are working on some new things over there and, you know, we've got some new kind of offerings and lines of business that are starting to grow and are doing revenue, et cetera. But I'm an entrepreneur and I love starting new things. I love figuring out processes and this business just kind of seemed to line up in a lot of the same ways as, uh, as Castaway has for you. And so 2020 was a big growth year for Credo. 2021, we were about flat year on year. We grew about 10%, but I'm not happy with that, right? I'm a growth guy. And so, you know, that market has just become, it's become a lot more expensive. It's become a lot harder to grow, that sort of thing. And I've got a great team in place that's kind of operating it day to day. So I can put in, you know, two to three days a week, do the marketing, do the sales, that sort of stuff. Um, But, you know, really there I'm focused on empowering a team. I'm really trying to be the owner, empowering a team and it pays me. And so therefore I don't have to take anything out of Editor Ninja. I can grow that. Um, I can invest the revenue back into that. I've invested some of my own money into it as well to kind of like give it the seed funding to scale up. And so that's kind of where I am, you know, at this point, but I feel like Editor Ninja, or I know Editor Ninja, it's a big market. There's some established players, et cetera, which which we can get into. But, you know, I I feel like it's a business that I can really take and grow pretty quickly with my network, with my skill set, with the team that I have in place, et cetera. The reason I asked that question is because I could imagine somebody asking that of me or either of us, right? Like you have Credo, Credo's going well. I'm sure it pays you and you're comfortable, right? So like, why do something yeah. else? And somebody could say, James, you're a director of marketing at a successful agency that if you look at Twitter, like the third tweet in there is probably like, hey, we almost doubled revenue last year. Like the agency's doing yeah. well, so James is probably doing well. Why do something else, right? So that's where that question came from for me. Cast, like business is my video game. Like I don't, I don't do a lot of fun stuff. Like I, I'll, I'll play some yeah. Call of Duty with my buddies every now and then. I, I'm okay. not, you know, I'm not a disciplinarian, so to speak. But, uh, but yeah, I like. It's not about the money. It's about solving problems and serving people and just seeing if I can make something go from zero to wherever it ends up. But I'm not out here trying to, mm-hmm. to build a fortune. I'm similar though. I don't play video games at all. A fun fact about John Doherty: I have never owned a video game system in my life. Oh, Never. Nice. Like I, I played Call of Duty and you know that sort of stuff. I had roommates that had PlayStations, whatever. I'm actually really good at like driving video games, but like, it's just not a thing I've ever really been into. My yeah. mine is like skiing and mountain biking and hiking and camping and travel and that sort of stuff. So, but yeah, I, I also like. I mean, pre-COVID, I traveled a ton and I love to like be able to go to Mexico for two weeks and work from there, right? And like work a reduced like schedule and that kind of stuff. And so I'm trying to build these like scalable businesses. And my goal actually is to own a portfolio of like productized services and SaaS businesses that basically I have teams running them and I'm the owner and I'm like kind of zooming in and helping out with problems and getting attraction and then training and establishing processes and handing it off. That's my whole goal with how I'm building my career at this point. I'm very committed to working for myself. And yeah, like, I, I don't know, I'm six and a half years into like really building Credo and like, getting a little bit wiggly and yeah. editor ninja is also giving me energy that helps me do better work on credo as well. So, right. It sounds like you're about where Brian castle was, I guess a couple of years ago, like he had audience ops basically on autopilot. Yeah. He had some really smart, talented people who were ready to be managers there and he could be pretty hands-free mm-hmm. and just kind of be the visionary, maybe take a sales call every now and then. So then he, you know, picks up a keyboard, 
teaches himself to code or reteaches himself how to code, yeah. builds process kit, builds zip message. Like in some ways, I think we're just constantly as entrepreneurs, like looking for continuous improvement or a new challenge mm -hmm. or just variability to keep things interesting. But also we're kind of gluttons for punishment, right? So we kind of just like yeah. the struggle in some ways. Uh, okay. Yeah. So my next question for you is editor ninja. Why editor ninja, right? Like I'm, I'm a director of marketing. We do a lot of content marketing. Yeah. I love editing a piece. I hate editing grammar. I, I, my personal stance is like, I don't think grammar is important. If it, and as long as it doesn't compromise the, the legibility of the piece and somebody can still get the message, mm -hmm. I don't care where the comma is. I don't care about the hyphen mm -hmm. or the M dash. That's my personal take. But yeah. um, I understand people do care and people will stop reading an article if it's incorrect. So I see the value yeah. of it. What is the seed for you? What made you say, okay, if I'm getting a little stagnant at Credo or maybe I just want something new, a new exercise to stretch my creative mm -hmm. brain or whatever, why Editor Ninja? So... A lot of it is because I've been a blogger for 20 plus years and I got really tired of like writing something that I was very proud of that like I put a bunch of time into, but I personally hate editing. I don't mm -hmm. do it. I don't go back and edit. And I got really tired of like sharing a, a blog post I published and people being like really good stuff. But just so you know, there's an unfinished sentence at the end of the second paragraph. I'm like, son of a gun. Like, mm -hmm. are you kidding me? And so basically wanted to be able to, to send it off to people to get edited. So that was part of it. And then also like, I know a lot of people that are content marketers, content managers, that kind of thing. We, you know, have a lot of SEO and content marketing agencies on Credo, et cetera. Um, and Editor Ninja is very much a separate business from Credo. There's no overlap in the network or anything like that, but there could be an overlap in customers. And so in talking with content managers and content marketers and that kind of thing, uh, people that have made the leap into like having freelancers writing content and that sort of thing, I find that if they're really scaling up content, they don't have time to go back and edit. They might do some like formative stuff and look through and make sure like, do I agree with the opinions and that kind of thing? But like the final editing, making sure it's good to go, um, you know, all of that, that final pass, a lot of people do that, but it's like they're passing it to someone internally that it, that's not their job. And you know, they should be free to do other stuff, do the stuff that they're best at. So I'm really finding that there's a niche for me in like content marketers and content managers that don't have the time. Um, or the desire or honestly the skill set to kind of finalize it um, and get it ready to go. So, you know, it's a it's an interesting business that seemed very similar to Credo in a lot of ways that I knew that I could and get it going. And then also I really care about the quality of content around the internet. Like I hate seeing some big influencer that they post something on, you know, Instagram or something like that. And there's just like crazy typos. And I'm like, you look like an idiot. And it's killing like people's trust in you. And I know from research that it's killing their revenue as well. Like there's research out there that it's like, if there's a typo on an e-commerce product page, uh, conversions go down 85%. So this sort of stuff, these like these errors definitely affect business, but it's not necessarily what content managers and content marketers care about. So, you know, I'm not messaging as much anymore towards the like, it's killing business. I'm messaging towards the like, save time so you can focus on doing the things that you're best at that are really going to move the needle on the business. Yeah, I think I told you the other day, like I feel that, you know, when I first started at, at The Good, they had a decade of blogging experience under their belt already. And so I'm like mm -hmm. trying to immediately jump in there, refresh old content that it kind of lost rankings and also keep yeah. the flywheel churning and producing new content. And, like in the early days, that was kind of my wheelhouse. I feel like I'm a pretty good writer and I'm really good at like keyword research and things like that and, and building out these content clusters. So like I was involved and then we layer our podcast on top of that and then we layer our YouTube channel on top of that and then we're doing webinars and we're publishing a new book. And like over time, it's like, man, I just it's can't edit every piece. I can't, I can't be yeah. in there as much as I want to. And, you know, fundamentally editing is 
a bunch of different things put together when it's done properly. Yeah. There's the the common through line of the piece and does it tell a cohesive mm -hmm. story? There's looking for the right data to support the claims. There's the grammatical stuff. And then there's the kind of like functional stuff like this link is broken or this link yeah. goes to an article that doesn't match the context that you described it in the piece. There's a, those little ticky tacky things that to your point, can make the difference between a sale and not getting a sale, right? You made this statement and there's no like citation of the source, right? Like there's no conclusion, that kind of thing. Yeah, you're absolutely, absolutely right. Which is why we lead with like copy editing and proofreading, but there is also structural editing in there. Does it tell a story? Are there citations? That sort of stuff. And to your point as well, I'm also thinking about launching a uh, basically update content for SEO, basically part where yeah. like you have a backlog of content what if a what if a content manager could come in to a new client or come into a new into a new job, and boom, you've got an Editor Ninja subscription, and we go through and we edit all your back content so it's updated, it's refreshed, it's corrected, all that sort of stuff. It's brought it's brought up to current day, and then it also improves your SEO uh, traffic, right? Improves your rankings and and conversions from SEO and all that, like. Would someone be willing to pay $800 for two months to do that? Probably. They should be willing yeah. to do that. So yeah, this, this is the thing. It's like there's so many options for what we could do with a team, with a stable of professional editors. And so I'm really bullish on it because I feel like there are all these areas that we can go into. I do want to keep it focused, but more focused around like the service that we offer. And then there are these various things like the pricing and that kind of thing that's productized, number of documents or you know number of words, that kind of thing. Yeah. There are all these areas that we can that we can serve as well. So not trying yeah. to overly complicate it, but I'm trying to serve as many people as we can in as many different areas as we can within the bounds of one price for a certain amount of editing every day. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely see the value proposition. Did you see any like quantitative evidence? I, I know like it might not be the case, but I had that tweet blow up and I'm like, okay, here are 12 people saying they're willing to pay me right now if the price is right and it fits into their processes or whatever. Like, yeah. did you see anything like that? We know that content marketing is huge, right? And it's not going away. Every yeah. business has a blog, uh, that kind of thing. Like there are press releases, there are product detail yeah. pages that have copywriting all over them. Yeah. The, the market is there. That's We don't have to argue that. Yeah. But did you see anything around like yeah. editorial budgets or anything like that or like salaries for full-time editors inside a big organization? You're like, well, instead of hiring that editor, you could hire Editor Ninja, right? And get the access to a dozen people. Like anything like that jump out at you? A uh, little bit. I mean, I, I just kind of heard these like, kind of like rumblings around the internet and, and clients that were like, you know, with Credo that they were like, yeah, we hired this agency, this content agency, but like, I still had to go back and edit it. Right. I've talked to some like content managers that are like having to do the same thing. And you know, we're, we're not the subject matter experts, but like they're going and spending literally a day a week or a couple days a month editing content when they should be focused on the strategy and getting more content out and that kind of thing. So mm -hmm. there was that pain point that I really saw. And then when I launched it, there was a big interest of editors at first, and then people started pinging me, you know, friends that run content marketing agencies or are freelancers or whatever, or, or content marketers in-house. That started happening. And so that was like Credo where people were like, hey, what's going on with HireGun, right? Which is what Credo was originally called when I was still at Zillow. And I'm like, oh, I wish I had time to work on it. And people were doing the same thing with Editor Ninja and they started scheduling demos. And I'm like, wait a minute, there's like a real <laughs> desire here from both sides, right? Yeah. Um, so those, those are the kinds of things that I saw. And then, you know, as I said, like I realized in November, 2021, I, we got this customer coming through that needed this like sales deck for a, like a big pitch. Like a, it was a creative agency that was putting together this big pitch. They needed editing. And so they came through and then I was like, I wonder how much like revenue Editor Ninja has done this year. It wasn't even an LLC yet. And I looked at my PayPal account cause I was doing it through my personal PayPal mm -hmm. and was like, 
holy crap, we've done $1,000 in revenue. I've maybe put 10 hours into it. It was like, this is like, it, it just kind of all started clicking. And then, yeah, so, so that's that's really like why I started working on it. And it's just continued. People have just been pinging me like, hey, I'm not sure we're ready for a demo yet, but like, can we hop on a 15 minute call to talk about like how it could work in our workflow and that kind of thing. So I'm starting to really like get that feedback from people that are you know publishing this sort of stuff and starting to kind of hone in on like, these are the areas where like the big pain points are. And this is how we need to message it, that it works into their workflow and that kind of thing, you know, as we go. So those are the areas that I've seen that are really like inspiring me to work on it. And for me, it's a new problem space as well, right? I've been working on the like agency and lead generation, et cetera, hiring space for a long time. Mm -hmm. And this is like, there's new interesting stuff to write about and learn about and drive traffic to the website and all of that. And I know that I can do it. And I just kind of gotten burned out and bored. And so even if like it wasn't getting traction, I would still keep working on it for a while. And the fact that it is getting traction, I'm like, holy crap. Okay, like let's let's do this. Let's put some time into it. Like buckle up, yeah. yeah. Cool. So I, th- I think we talked about where the idea came from. I think we've talked about what makes you a good fit to solve this problem and why it's yep. something worth you pursuing specifically. So what are your goals for it? If, if we look at kind of calendar year 2022, as I alluded to earlier, and we just kind of say, mm-hmm. we're having this conversation on January 1st next year, you know, where do you want to be? Where do you want Editor Ninja to be from now until then? Yeah, so my like... My kind of sandbagged goal is 100K in revenue by end of the year. So I want to be over that in terms of like ARR. So, you know, probably around 15K a month, something like that. And by the end of the year, I think we can be more than that. But it just kind of depends on, you know, how well I do with marketing it and, you know, the messaging and all that sort of stuff. So so that's my goal. Very similar numbers um, to what you are saying. So it can basically operate at like 35 to 40% margins after paying editors and that kind of thing. And then basically take half of that and reinvest it back into the business. And starting around July, I want to start paying myself a little bit from the business as well. I don't need to pay myself from the business. Credo pays me well. Credo does well. I'm fine. But uh, I also know as an entrepreneur and me personally, when I start paying myself, that's like, okay, like I, I've made it. And so even if it's like two grand a month, right? Basically I've said like half of profit, I'm going to pay myself after a certain point. So that that's kind of the goal, you know, that'll keep me like, uh, that, that'll keep me kind of rocking on it and working on it. Um, and I haven't really set a date for like, you know, th- this like amount of revenue or at this revenue, I'm going to put half of my time into it or something like that. I'm kind of just going to figure it out as I go. Cause I've done that before with Credo when I was consulting at some point, it was just like, as you said, when you know, you know, and I yeah. knew end of 2018, beginning of 2019, I was like, I'm done with SEO consulting. <laughs> I'm tired right. of doing this. I'll take phone calls and that kind of stuff around SEO, but like, I'm done with this. I'm done with retained clients. Like I want to put more time into Credo and Credo was about 300 K annual revenue at that point. Yeah. So we've about doubled since then and I was paying myself well and had a small team, et cetera. So yeah, that's kind of my goal. And right now with Editor Ninja, I'm focused on building a team, you know, similar to you, contractors and freelancers and that kind of thing, getting in a good like initial stable of editors, good initial stable of customers, all of that. And I'm willing to be a little bit more aggressive mm-hmm. than I was with Credo. I've kind of sandbagged growth over the years just so it was a sane, kind of like sustainable. And I'm kind of ready to complicate things a little bit in my life. So I'm okay like signing someone in being like, all right, let's figure out these processes to deliver like 80,000 words of edited content a month, you know, but I'm, I'm jazzed on it. So that's uh, that's my goal. And that's why I'm quite bullish on it. And that's why I think we can easily exceed my goal. But, you know, if, if we end 2022 and I say, okay, we've done 100K in revenue this year, 35K of that was profit, um, Editors got paid. They're happy. They don't have to work at coffee shops anymore, right? They can actually do what they've been trained to do. I'm going to be happy. I love that. I think that's a very reasonable goal. And I think it's like, 
ambitious enough, but also realistic that we're talking in September and both of us are like, well, we got to set new goals because we're already there. You know, we've got three months left in the year. So like, what do we want to do? You know, but I'm glad we have this conversation today that we can always refer back to because I think it is important that like Mm -hmm. if folks subscribe or if they jump in in episode 12, it's important to know that maybe we're taking these risks here because we have some stability and a safety net in the form of employed spouses, in the form of credo and a full-time job. Like we have a great degree of flexibility and kind of insulation around the risk taking that we're doing with these projects that a lot of Mm -hmm. folks don't have. So yeah, I think that's a great place to wrap it up for today. Like I think we covered the backstory. We gave plenty of context for folks to understand who we are, where we're coming from, what we're working on. Maybe we'll call it quits there, but I'm really excited to dig in in a follow-on conversation about a lot of the stuff we just touched on today, but didn't really go deep on like uh, pricing, productizing services, customer research, and how to know like what's a signal versus what's noise, Mm -hmm. hiring, staffing. Customer acquisition. Yeah. Right, right protecting margin, all this kind of stuff. So we'll have dedicated conversations around each of those. But I think this was a great overview of where we're at today, where we're trying to go and why we think we're the right folks to steer this ship uh, to the ultimate destination of 100K a year. Top line revenue is what it sounds like for both of us. So hopefully we'll get there. There we go, man. Well, hopefully so. Let's do it. Yeah. Awesome. Sounds great. We'll talk to you again soon then. All right. See y'all later.